uh, as we continue to read through the book of Acts, we're kicking off in the month of November a series that um, I've been looking forward to uh, for, for some time, and it's more. And you'll see underneath that it says more 2020 vision. How many in the room have 2020 vision? Perfect eyesight. Some of you do? All right. Those of you who don't, it says 2020 vision. It says more. Maybe a little blurry for the rest of you. Um, I had LASIK uh, a little over a year ago. Man, it really changed my life because all of a sudden I could see so great without glasses on. I had a really bad stigmatism. So if I took my glasses off, I had a horrible headache. And there's nothing like not being able to see clearly, right? That's, a, that's an aggravating, aggravating thing. So we began asking the question. When I say we, the elders, we got together uh, probably about five months ago now. And we met in a little place. And I posed this question to the guys. I said, um, what do you currently see God doing within New City? What do we currently see God doing? And we talked to I mean, we, we wrote all kinds of stuff down on a board. I mean, we made all kinds of notes. And then I asked the follow-up question of, how do, we, how do you think God may want to do more of that? Because sometimes we think about vision for our life, that we need to start all kinds of new things and completely throw out the playbook and grab a new playbook and just kind of, you know, like just change everything. And sometimes things need to change in your life. You're like making a decision that's really, really bad, and, you, you know, you're trying to run a college offense on the, pro, on the pro level, and it just doesn't work. So some of us, we do need to change some things in our life. But in the context of New City and, and kind of where we're headed, we were like, we're not, we're, man, it's been good. Like, we, we're, we feel like we're moving the ball down the field. So, God, what are you currently doing here? And what do we think you want to do more of? And from those questions and those conversations, we narrowed down to kind of four statements of vision or four statements of outcome or four statements of goals, whatever you want to phrase it, that we think God wants to do over the next three years. And so it's our 2020 vision. These are the things that we hope that God will accomplish in the life of New City Church by the year 2020 is over. And so over the next four weeks, I'm going to share those four with you. And today I'm going to start with the first one. And these are in order for a reason. And the first one is simply this. By the year 2020, we will know every person who attends New City Church, and they will know they are known. You've heard me talking about this for some time if you've been paying attention to my words, right? Like, it's, it is vital to me and critical to me as this church grows, that we, we not only talk it, that we put practices into place, that I, I want to know who you are. When I say I, I'm talking about this church, that we want to know who you are, and we want you to know that you are known. Like, for example, when Alice walks in the room, and I say, hey, Alice, right? Or actually, let me back up. When Alex walks in the door, and I think, oh, there's Alice. That's cool, because I know her name, right? But when I walk up and I say, hey, Alice, how you doing? Where's Troy at today? Talking about her husband. Now she knows I know her name and she knows I know her family and it means something more and greater to her. And guys, that, that is the direction of the, one of the outcomes that I really feel passionate about us. As we grow and as God brings more and more people, because some of you, uh, how many of you guys, just to kind of play along with me, have been attending New City Church within the last year and a half? Raise them high. Look at that church body. Almost half the room, maybe half the room, has been attending in the last year and a half. And listen, shame on us if we continue to be a church that people feel welcomed in and comfortable enough to continue to attend, but yet we don't know who you are. And not only do I want to know who you are, I want you to know that you're known. Like, it's important to me that, I, that Vicky knows that I know her name. That, to me, that is just really important. I want to make it really hard for you knuckleheads to leave. That's what I'm trying to get to, Right? I mean, you're going to have to be so angry and so mad at me for you to ever leave this place because we're going to love the snot out of you. That's the goal. We're going to love you. We're going we're to honor you. And we're going to help you in every way we can reach your God-given 
dream. Like we want you to, uh, to the Bible would say, to grow in the full uh, stature and maturity of Christ. And we want to help you do that. Now, I talk about the row. And some of you don't like writing your name down on the piece of paper. You think it's uh, weird. I know I'm old school sometimes on this, but that's fine, right? Because that's giving me data. And data uh, is our friend, right? And so I put here on your insert just so you can see, I want to give you the devoted data. Now, what that means is we had a series we just concluded two, uh, two weeks ago called the series was called Devoted, and it was seven weeks. And that's when we started piloting this attendance role. And so this is the seven weeks of the devoted data, right? And data is our friend. Some of us don't like the truth, right? And when I begin looking at the data, and there's a lot of different things I'm learning from it, some of it kind of stings. I want to share this with you. We had 110 adults that had perfect attendance over those seven weeks. That's pretty cool, right? Now, raise your hand if you're one of those 110. Fantastic. Now, I haven't forgotten about you, right? I told you that we were going to do some stuff, right? And, but what happened between that commitment and today was, one, I can't believe there was 110 of you, so I freaked out a little bit, just being honest. Um, secondly, people on our staff started having babies left and right. So people that I was going to rely on to help me pull some stuff off, well, they're no longer, they're on a break because these little kids or whatever, right? So, so, and then we decided to do a discipleship conference. And so there just hasn't been the time. But I am thinking, and uh, actually I've thought, and uh, I haven't forgotten about you. But we had 110 adults have perfect attendance over those seven weeks. Now I want you to write this number in. 38 of those adults who did not miss a week over seven Sundays, 38 of you I would, I, would, I would call and qualify as not connected at New City Church outside of a Sunday morning attendance. So those of you who are like really connected at New City, I want you to hear this. There are 38 people that didn't miss a Sunday for seven weeks in a row who we don't know their story and you probably don't know their name. 38. I'm not okay with that. All right, what about those who were almost perfect attendance? For those of the, had made six of the seven weeks, of those, we had 22 people, 22 adults who made six out of seven who I would categorize as currently not connected outside of Sunday morning. Now, for some of you, the fact that you're in church is a big woohoo! Can't believe I'm here. The, the walls didn't fall down. I didn't get zapped by a lot and all the things that you might say. But going to Sunday morning church is a great place to start, but it is far from the finish line. All right? I want to give you my little rant, right? but it's a good rant. It is ridiculous in my mind to think that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. For 30 some odd years, he taught us a new way to do life, a new way to be human, that at some point he made the religious elite so mad that they asked for his life by a guy named Pilate who sentences Jesus to crucifixion on the cross. And so that this Jesus, God's one and only son, goes to the cross and he hangs on the cross until his lungs quit taking in air and his heart quits beating. And he dies up on the cross and then two friends take him down and put him in a tomb. And then three days later, this dead Jesus, this heart begins to beat. His lungs begin to take in air. And through the mighty power of God, he is resurrected from the grave. For the next 40 days, he is seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. It's ridiculous in my mind that God did all of those things so that you and I could go to church for an hour on Sunday. It's a great place to start, but it is not at all God's plan for the redemption of the world to go, check, made it to church, woohoo! Great place to start, but it's not the finish line, right? It's not the finish line. So I'm glad you're here, but no, I view Sunday as a conveyor belt. How do we move you into deeper relationships with Jesus? How do we help you grow towards what God has called you to be? 
So of the six of seven, 22. How about the next one? Five of seven. Those who made five of the seven weeks, those were 20 people who are currently not connected outside of Sunday morning. And finally, I stopped at four of seven because those were the folks that made it more than 50% of the time. Of the, of the people who made four out of the seven devoted series, 27 of those are not connected in any way outside of a Sunday morning context. So let's do some math, right? I already had the answers down below on the insert if you knew it, if you saw it, right? You could have skipped ahead. 38 plus 20 plus, um, 22 plus 20 plus 27 is what? 107. 107 adults that made it more than 50% of the time are currently not connected to New City Church in any way outside of Sunday morning. Guys, now, that can't, that can't stay that way. Um, there's a friend right now who's helping me because uh, we, we know that we want to know you and that we want you to know that you're known. That's a, that's a 2020 vision outcome. And I have a friend named Don Noah who's helping us figure out how we're going to actually do that because it's a lot of um, assimilation. It's a lot of uh, structure to put into place. But Don and I were talking this last week, and I want to invite some of you to help us. And so when you see that number 107... And you're like, I want to help get those people connected. I want to help put a structure in place on how we can correctly and safely, and I'll, I'll explain safely in a minute, and cautiously help people get connected. I want you to pull out that connect card that's in front of you, so seat back in front of you. And I was trying to think, what could I have people write? Because assimilation's too big. And I thought, well, what if they just wrote the abbreviation of assimilation? But I knew people would be offended if I asked you to write that in church, right? And so how about we, you just play that out in your head? And, uh, and so just write... Uh, I will help. Let's go with that, all right? Because I don't want you to write a cuss word in church because some of you would like to really love this place and others would be offended. So I'll help. If you want to help us figure out how we're going to connect these 107 not connected people, and by the way, you probably know this already, when you start looking at those who made it three of the seven, two of the seven, only one week out of the seven, the percentage of those who are not connected outside of Sunday morning skyrockets. And guys, listen, I and we are not okay with that whatsoever. Now, I want to speak to this, okay? Because some of us um, are purposely not being known. Because you've got church hurts, and there ain't no hurt like a church hurt, right? Guys that do what I do have ticked you off, have hurt, broken your heart, have done stupid decisions that made you question God, right? Remember, they're just people, just like you. But because of those things and other things, maybe things that have happened in your life that you don't understand why God did what he did, you're, you're here, and it's a great thing, but you're in the shadows, and uh, you just, you just kind of want to, you're okay with not being known, and you're okay with not going any further. And I'm okay with you staying there for now. But the thing that I'm going to continue to ask you to consider is to find your calendar and identify a date on that calendar, and circle that date, and say, on this date, I'm going to re-engage in this spiritual journey. Because God did not create you for the shadows. He did not create you for the edges. He created you to be a part of an active body that's doing its best to bring people closer to Jesus. I'm not, I can't circle the date for you. I'm not going to give you a ministry wedgie to get you involved in some way. I'm not doing that. But I do ask you, and I'll keep asking you, find that date on your calendar where you said, that's the day that I'm going to reenter the game, and I'm going to engage it. Now, and, and I also want to say this. While you're in the shadows and while you're on the edges, I ask you to look, because some of you are standoffish because of fakeness, because of phony baloney stuff. And I, as you do, I want you to watch how your leadership at New City Church communicates. I want you to watch how we use our resources, how we use our building, how we serve our community, 
Because the conversations I have with people who were once strangers and are now becoming a part of our ministry say, I don't really get how authentic you guys are. It, it freaks me out a little bit. And that may not be your experience, but that's what I, it may not be your experience yet, but that's what I hope you soon discover, right? Is that you may not like everything that I say, but I'm not giving you some phony baloney, right? The mat you get up here is the mat you get back there. It's the mat you get at the Miller house. And it's the desire of mine that that's how our leadership rolls at every possible way. Okay, so I want to talk to you now about a scripture that I think really supports that as we go through this teaching in Acts. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10, but I, I want you to be thinking about what I, the first question written underneath that scripture, which says this, what are or what were the top three reasons you started attending New City Church or church in general? Because New City Church wasn't my first church. It wasn't the church that I came to faith in. But I want you to think back to the, kind of the start of your journey and what were the top reasons that you began going to church, all right? And so as you're thinking that, let's dive into this scripture of Acts chapter 3, and this is what we, what we find. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So this was a track, this is a walk that they'd made several times every day at the same time. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put, how many days? Come on, read it with me so we can see it. Say it out loud. He was put where? Every day. So if Peter and John are walking to the temple every day to pray, and this guy's put at the temple gate every day, do you think there's a great opportunity that they knew this man and had seen this man, and this man had seen them? Yeah, right? I mean, it's like that same homeless guy that you pass every week, you probably see him every time you go by that way. And so now a man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right? Now, there's a, a lot of kind of interesting, fun things that are circling uh, this story that you could continue to read this week and kind of pull out of like truths from this scripture. But I, I wanna, what I want to talk to you about uh, today is kind of this idea, is that everybody starts, I would argue, with the same posture that this lame beggar had. And that posture is, we come to God looking for something uh, specifically. In this man's case, it was silver and gold, or that's what he thought he needed. But yet Peter and John looked past his need for silver and gold and saw a greater need. Meaning, we come to church thinking we need something, when the truth is we need something much greater. This was my posture back in 1995. In 1995, I um, went to a revival uh, that I was invited to back in northeast Arkansas, and I heard a guy give a gospel presentation about Jesus' death and resurrection, and I responded to that. And on that night in October, I gave my life to Jesus, right? And some of you have heard me make this statement that I felt like I was taken to the cross and left there because there was no follow-up with me. And I was a senior in high school at the time, and I, did, I was doing what a lot of seniors in high school do, right? I was working, I was hanging out with my friends, and those were kind of pretty, and I was dating. Those were kind of the, the, my three priorities, 
girlfriend, friends, work, in that order, right? Church wasn't even on the radar because church in my childhood experience was extremely boring and not practical in any way. And so for almost two years of my life, after that conversion moment at Southside Community Church, I went doing the same things, dating a girl, uh, working or hanging out with my buddies when, we, when I had time, when I wasn't working. And that was kind of my life. But things were different for me because sometimes, uh, and some of you are experiencing this now, things that used to kind of bring me joy or make me feel kind of good begin to make me question why I'm doing those. They just didn't feel right anymore. And so God began to do this. Now I look back on it. It was God doing this work in me. But at the time, I didn't understand it. It just wasn't any fun. And then God, God did something that kind of took me to my knees as, a, as an 18, 19-year-old. At this time, I would have been probably uh, right, at, right at 19. Is he, I, I, I had this posture of a broken heart. Me and this girl that I've been dating, we broke up. And as a 19-year-old, that was like pretty much everything to me, right? I mean, that was kind of, if you think back on that, on, on your high school days, if you, if you were in a relationship, it was kind of a big deal. And I, that, that broken heart is how I entered the church doors. And I went to church, the same church that had the revival, not because somebody reached out to me and invited me back. It was because that I didn't know what else to do, but I was so depressed, I was so upset, life was so not going the way that I wanted it to go, that I entered through church doors. And my posture was this. My three things would have been, or actually I had two of them that are pretty clear. Man, if I could find me a new pretty girl, and if I could find me some good friends who were good, because I had good friends who were bad. You feel me? Like, I had buddies that I would lie for because we were such good friends. But, man, they were just getting me in more and more trouble. And they started doing things that my daddy made real clear to me. If I did those, he was going to kick my butt. And I didn't want my butt kicked, right? And so I, there, I, was in a, I was in a pickle. And so I was looking for a new pretty girl, and I was looking for good friends who were good. Because here's the deal. If you have good friends who are making bad decisions, here's what you need to know. The direction of your friends determines the direction of your life. You hang out with friends that are doing drugs, guess what you're going to be doing? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's easy. You hang out with friends who uh, typically get wasted or drunk every Friday, Saturday night, guess what you're going to probably do? Same thing, unless you're just a really strong knucklehead, right? If you have friends that blow all their money, you're probably blowing all your money. The direction of your friends determines the direction of your life. I make this funny joke. Here's what I can guarantee you. If you were to hang out with guys like me, you won't get high. You know why? I don't get high. You'll eat way too much fast food, because that's what I do. I eat way too much fast food, all right? <laughs> And I'm not saying that's good, but here's the deal. There ain't never been a guy sent to prison for eating too much fast food, right? But you can go to jail for doing drugs. And so you've got to pick your poison sometimes, right? And some of you can help me get skinny. I'd appreciate that. I need to hang out with people that only eat salads. But I struggle with salads because salads are what food eats. So just let you ponder that for a second, right? So I go to this church. With the posture of, I'm sad, I'm lonely, and I'm needing some good friends. That was my posture. Thank God that there were men there. Mike Terry comes to mind, and a guy named Chad Wood comes to mind, that saw past my broken heart and saw that I needed to better understand Jesus. Now, I want you to begin tracking with me here. There were men at that church that, yes, saw that I needed silver and gold. They saw that my heart was broken and that I was sad and depressed, but they saw past that and knew that my greater need was this thing with Jesus Christ. See, at the time, I, had, I didn't understand who Jesus was nor what he required of me. And in my mind, I thought this, man, if I just got a new girlfriend and if I just got some good buddies, man, I would be good. But the truth is, it's not true. And there were men that God put in my life that loved me enough 
to not, not camp out on my, 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 my visible frustrations and get, dig deeper into my life to introduce me and begin to disciple me on who Jesus was and what Jesus was asking of me. And so here's what I want you to consider. That, and that's what happened. I want to take you back to the Scripture and then I'm going to ask you to consider something. You have this lame guy that is at the temple courts. James and John are walking in. And his need that he thinks that he needs the most is silver and gold because the dude had no money. Yet James and John, as they walk by, and he says, hey, would you guys give me money? I have no money. James and John, they notice that he doesn't have any money, but they see something deeper in this guy. Buddy, your legs don't work. You have a greater need than silver and gold, because guess what? You're going to need silver and gold again tomorrow. And so they speak, they, says they look at the man, and they say, look at us, and he does. And they say, man, stand up and walk in faith. My, my question that I want you to consider, and I don't know how old you are in your spiritual journey, but what is your posture that you enter these doors in even today? Like, what do you think you need? And would you kind of consider this? Maybe, right? Maybe that what you think you need isn't what you need the most. I'm not saying you don't need it, but it's not what you need the most. And I'm not, I'm not telling you to, 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 to throw that away, those needs. I'm just asking you, could you consider that maybe the thing that you think you need is not the thing you need the most. And would you consider a second thing? That maybe, just maybe, God has placed people in your life, maybe, maybe even in your row, maybe even on the other side of your aisle, that see what you can't. Maybe. Maybe they see something in you. And one of the hardest things to do in church is to keep it, or one of the easiest things I should say to do in church is to keep it shallow and to keep it brief and to keep it surface level. Because most of you lied this morning. What? Yeah, somebody asked you how you're doing, and you said you're doing fine. You're a big, fat liar. You're not doing fine at all. You're not doing fine at all. And you just lied. You lied to people. You came to church and lied. First thing you did. Aren't you feeling bad about yourself right now? Because somebody said, how you doing? You said, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. It's all good. Liar. Liar. Pants on fire. Pants on fire. You're a liar. Pants on fire. Listen, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what? It's not good. You know what I love this morning? Will, our drummer, he passed out this morning before you guys got here. He passed out flyers with little numbers on name tags. He's lost his favorite cat, Samson. Lost his favorite cat. Been gone since uh, this, like maybe the 26th of October. And he came and he said, Matt, would, would you help me find Samson? And I said, dude, yes. And so one first thing I know is I'm going to pray for you that you find this cat's important to, to Will. And so guess what? Because this cat's important to Will, guess who else it's important to now? It's important to me. Because Will's important to me. And it's a cat. But it's Will's cat. Right? And it means the world to Will. That his buddy, who he said is with him through thick and thin. Right? How's Will doing? Oh, he's sad. He can't find his cat. And for us to be able to come to church and be bold enough to hand out papers and say, well, help me find my cat. And risk the fact that people are going to look at you and go, what? You want me to help you find your Yeah, I want you to help me find my cat. See, there's more to knowing people than just knowing their name. You guys realize that, right? There's more to knowing people than just knowing what your name is. It's beginning to know your story and to be able to look past what you think you need and say, but there's something deeper here. But the only way that can happen is we have this, uh, this thing called vulnerability. And I can't say that word very well, right? They were laugh laughing at me yesterday at a conference we held because I can't say the word vulnerable. It's like the V. We're not very good at V. We're, we're really good at, at, at stuff at surface level, but not letting people really see, no, I'm struggling in what's going on right now in my life. But we'll, what if? Would you consider that just maybe people will look past what you think you need and they would speak to maybe what you're truly needing? And here's what I would say it all starts with. 
He says, man, we need to understand Jesus in a greater, healthier way. You need to understand who Jesus is in your life, what he's trying to say to you, and what he expects of you. Because here's the, here's the, here's the big negative Nelly. If all you do is realize and understand who Jesus is in your life, but then you don't do the very thing that he's asking you to do, well, what does that even matter? It's like that, remember the last week we talked about that rich young ruler that comes to Jesus? Hey, I want to follow you. What do I need to do? Jesus says, looks at him, right? And says, here's what you need to do. You need to go sell all your possessions and follow me. And that guy, seemingly, a lot of commentaries don't believe that he was willing to do that. What about you? Like, as, as, as God begins to peer into your life, right? And as you begin to trust other people in the room with who you are as a person, just what might they discover about you? And, and, and are we so afraid that they might actually do that? Some of us are, have been so hurt in the past by church people. Some of you, yes, in this room, I'm going to put me in this group. Some of us have hurt people, sometimes unintentionally and sometimes intentionally. And a step for some of us in this room is that we need to call somebody, we need to write somebody a letter and apologize for how we treated them. Because the reason they're standoffish to church is not because of a pastor, it's because of the congregation. And it doesn't matter how authentic I want to be up here. It doesn't matter how loving I choose to be up here and how honest I choose to be up here. If we across the aisles can't open up and bear our hearts and truth and soul to one another, then this is going to be a surface level place at some level because there's only so many of you that I can hang out with every week. Do you feel that? And if, if some of you in the room are waiting to get time with me so that you can be honest and meanwhile you bypass 25 other qualified leaders to do so, then that's a huge mess for us. So my question is this. By the year 2020, how do we partner together as a church body? That we know every stinking person who calls New City Church home and that they know they're known. And I'm not saying you're stinking. Just know where I'm going with that. All right? That I, I have no desire to pastor a big church where people don't know who they are. I have no desire. I don't want to manage a bunch of no-name people that all I see is a check routing number and attendance chart. That's not fun for me. You know what's fun for me? It's fun for me this morning. I'm sitting in the back and I see Amy walk by. And I said hi. She didn't hear me because I get, she ignored me. She didn't hear me. The band was playing. But to see that Amy and Eric are about to have a little, little, little boy. And to know that, man, I've prayed with them for that very thing. And to see transformation in their family and the blessing of this baby. Man, for me, that's a win. I know their story. I know them. Right? And I could kind of go through and I won't because I would embarrass some of you. Right, And I don't say that, but not being able to do it. You guys know I could do this. But it would embarrass you. You're like, oh, please don't say my name. Please don't say my name. Right, But that we know your stories. Guys, it is, it is critical and essential to the life of this church and what I believe God wants to continue to do here. That we know every single person and that you know you're known. But that includes all of us together doing that. So will you help us? Some of you have got the brain power that you can actually help us make that happen other people just need to be a part of it and just kind of do what we ask you to do so that's 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 kind of my my thing today would you consider kind of go back to this what you think you need isn't what you need the most and maybe would you consider that god has placed people in your life to see what you can't and if the answer to either one of those is yes then lean into that right lean into that here's what i want you i want to pray for you this morning and what i want to pray is I, I want to pray that God would begin to give you the vision for what I just shared. Like, if it doesn't connect with you, I pray that God would begin to give you better eyesight, better purpose, better vision that we know. Because, see, this is one service. The next service is even larger. 
more seats will be em- less seats will be empty at the 11 o'clock. Well, the Chiefs are playing. I don't know, uh, but the, 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 the probably will be less empty seats. And then at five o'clock, there's a lot more empty seats. About a third of the room will be full. But that congregation represents our neighborhood way more than the, the two in the morning. And so we have three problems that we need to begin to work on. Three groups of people that we need to know who they are and for them to know that they're known. So I'm asking that God would give you the vision. If you're a part of New City and you're planning on calling New City home for a long, 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 long time, that you would partner with us in that because this is the direction that which we're going. Amen? So let's just pray. Father God, I thank you so much for what you've already been doing at New City. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. But Father, I know that you want to do more of the very same thing, but on a bigger level. So God, would you not only increase our capacity to do more, would you bring more people along with us that will help us accomplish this vision? This is not an easy task. Knowing uh, hundreds of people who are currently not known is not a quick fix. Father, would you give us insight? Would you give us structure? Would you give us a great love for people so that we could, we could seriously make an impact, a spiritual impact in the life of our church? I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray once again that Will would find his cat, Samson. In Jesus' name, amen.